1: Hello everyone, this is Kevin L. Jackson, and welcome to Digital Transformers. Today is quite a special show in that we have three guests that are collaborating to make your cyber world safer. This show is a bit of a follow-up on a show that we had in January with Chris Polly from ComScope and Dave Stellan, the CEO of the Telecommunications Industry Association. During that show, Dave and Chris explained the renewed focus on and the importance of securing the telecommunications supply chain. On today's show, we have representatives from three companies that are doing just that: Eric Adolfe, the CEO of Ford Edge AI; Josh Pendrick, CEO of Ripples; and Dustin McIntyre, the Chief Technology Officer of Com Sovereign Group. Welcome, all. But uh, before we meet our guests formally, let's first thank our sponsor, Digital Names by Total Network Services. If you enjoy today's conversation, be sure to find and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. So starting with Dustin, please introduce yourself, your company, and how you're protecting us in cyberspace. Excellent. Thank you for
0: inviting me today, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Uh, Just as a quick introduction of myself. Again, my name is Dustin McIntyre. I'm the CTO or Chief Technology Officer at a company called ComSovereign. So in that role, that means I'm responsible for developing our products and solutions. So who is ComSovereign? ComSovereign is really a combined diverse set of companies in the wireless and related industries. That includes a U.S.-based approach to a full-service 5G equipment provider. Um, ComSovereign provides products and solutions really across the ICT sector, including 4G, 5G, additional things like wireless transport infrastructure, but uniquely, we also do other things like airborne uh, solutions like drones and aerostats to complement our communication side, but also additional things like power systems. And uh, I would say more pointing to today's conversation is that we brought in a new key piece uh, called mobile edge computing or Mac, uh, which really uh, amplifies or accelerates the 5G picture into the next realm, which is the application solutions. So our our company was built, uh, you know, basically out of scratch from best of breed technology components. Uh, we're only a couple of years old uh, and those components really are, are both startup acquisitions sort of best of breed solutions, but also mature product companies which are now being folded together to integrate into a common technology portfolio. And what that does, that really brings together a harmony of leading edge next generation capabilities, such as our Lextrum in-band duplex technology, so that's a radio technology, our mm-hmm. silicon <laughs> photonics piece, which relates to the fiber optic networks, uh, but also our mature product companies that bring forward manufacturing capabilities and know-how. So I think your question was, and what are what are we doing to protect ourselves from the cyber, cyber threats today? Well, I mean, just to take that conversation and play it back, I think we're, most of the listeners will be very aware of the uh, rip and replace project that's ongoing with the US government. And that was fundamentally a decision that was made that's um, a decision based around trust that certain global vendors are not to be considered trusted and pose threats to the integrity of our critical infrastructure. Well, that's one of the fundamental principles of trust is is transparency. Um, And today we base our trust really around where we build something. So I trust this place, but I don't trust this place. But in reality, there's really no way to fully detangle that, that global supply chain. Um, you know, implementing this this type of decision making is a little bit arbitrary because it depends on deciding what matters and what doesn't matter as far as how we decide trust. Um, but trust is, you know, kind of a qualitative metric, right? So I trust or I don't trust, I sort of trust, but that decision really could be boiled back into a quantitative measurement, quantitative data. So for example, I think we're all familiar with the TIA's working group for the supply chain 9001 initiative is really kind of re-looking at this and saying, how do I go about my decision-making process for what is trustful? Um, And this community here in our conversation today will be around what we as a group or a community are also contributing from a technology standpoint around how we see our capabilities playing forward to bring back the concept of trust that has a bit more fundamentals to it. How do we reach a technology solution to what has previously been more of an empirical decision. So today's conversation is really all around how we as companies are bringing our technology solutions forward to help drive that conversation.
1: Wow, that's uh, pretty cool. You guys are doing telecom and drones. (laughs) So uh, Josh, tell us more about about Ripples.
2: Yeah, thank you for having us on, Kevin. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here with you guys today. My name is Josh Pendrick. I'm the CEO of Ripples. Uh, we are a spatial computing company. Uh, well, I guess just taking a step back, you know, the, the primary question for why Ripples existed in its infancy was, you know, that we would think about is, you know, how do we connect people and things more efficiently and securely? And that's really kind of the question that sort of started it all. And along the way, we ended up with some really cool technology. And so, what that cool technology is is you know we what we do, what we really do is we connect we connect the digital and physical world in some really interesting and unique ways. We have a patented spatial computing system that essentially overlays a digital world on top of the physical world. So if you can kind of just imagine, even in the rooms that we're all sitting in right now, this airspace around us being uh, you know just just imagine this invisible three d grid of, you know, cubes of space, airspace, uh, existing, you know, we, we, and and digital files being able to exist in these cubes of space. uh, That's basically what our system does, you know, it it maps the space, it stores addresses of, of physical environment, and allows the ability to program digital files or, you know, digital computing commands to these Uh, areas of space and you can kind of think of it as you know in the same way you see invisible at or you don't see there's invisible atoms you know uh in the air around us you know this matter uh you know we've kind of enabled this digital matter to exist and what you can do with it is you know all sorts of different applications uh of course there's a lot we're going to be talking about today in terms of supply chain security but really it's just this new reality uh, environment reality that we've enabled and that's what we call interlife this this world of a of a Digital world overlaid on the physical, and really ripples is is just the glue uh, between this the physical and digital digital space
1: wow well, you know, and over the past uh year i mean we've all become fully digital i mean fully digital fully virtual, and it seems that you're trying to merge us right <laughs> to make that a, a normal thing yeah i mean <laughs> you know companies you know there's all this talk about digital
2: transformation i know it's a it's a major topic of what what uh you're talking about on a regular basis kevin mm-hmm. and um you know from our from our point of view you know the physical is not being uh incorporated you know it, uh into that discussion you know nearly enough because you know the reality is the world is physical the internet of things has physical devices uh, and so, you know, if you can kind of take this next layer, which, you know, in the way that we look at it, it's you know, going not just the Internet of Things, but there's Internet of Space, essentially, that we, we enable and marry mm-hmm. that in. You get a really nice, holistic kind of landscape to, to take commerce and business and just general, you know, uh, life applications to a whole new level.
1: Wow, that's that's a, that's amazing, and and Eric, I mean the name of your company, Forward Edge AI, artificial intelligence, that could be that could scare someone <laughs> from the very beginning. So yeah, so tell us what does Forward Edge <laughs> AI do?
3: <laughs> yeah, Kevin, it scares me too, and um,
1: <laughs> I can
3: tell you, every time I, I listen to Josh, I'm just like blown away. When I was in college, I actually studied uh, physics, and mm-hmm. uh, so uh, what Josh is doing is something called, um, well, when you look at space time, it's called a cube universe, um, yeah. which is really interesting, so we're, we're, we're moving in, in the direction that Einstein talked about. That's how we anyway, see it, too. I'm, uh, Eric you
1: know. Yeah,
3: <laughs> very cool, very cool. So anyway, so I'm Eric Adolfi, and I'm a CEO and co-founder of Forward Edge AI. And as the name says, you know, we focus on bringing artificial intelligence to the edge. Um, that's how we came up with the name, right? And we think about, so we're talking about supply chain, protecting supply chain. So there's a physical supply chain and there's also software, right? So as uh, these edge devices become uh, smarter, we have to start thinking about the software supply chain. And, and there's not enough work that's been done in that particular space. So as an example, it costs about $240,000 on average to deploy a new, and I'm going to use acronyms, AIML algorithms, right? About $240,000. So a lot in industry um, have sort of um I don't want to say cut corners, but they're leveraging what's already existing, like pre-trained models um, to shorten that uh that life cycle development. The problem with that is we don't have a good sense of the provenance of the um the, the model, right? Uh and the data that it's being trained on.
1: Yeah.
3: So we so we did some fairly um you know uh straightforward tests to demonstrate what we're talking about. And it's very easy if we understand where those models came from, and a lot of times they come from the same places, we can very easily fool those algorithms to misclassify information, right? So I can trick one of the algorithms um, to think that an alligator is a hammer, for example, right? This is called a single pixel attack. So, understanding and protecting the province of the models and the training data is going to be a huge problem as these devices become more and more intelligent. So, people now are focusing on worth as uh, as we were talking about earlier. As Dustin mentioned, where things are manufactured, well, we got to start thinking about where software is manufactured too—not just where it's manufactured, but where is it going? You know, what's the whole right. supply chain? So. Ford Edge is tackling uh, this and other problems. Uh, and we're specifically, and and we kind of fell into this because we were developing technology to protect people against scams and disinformation and misinformation, that kind of thing. And then in doing that, we had to um, be able to develop what's called a real-time machine learner, which means, you know, decentralized, what's happening locally, Train the models, you know, um, back propagate it, and then distribute it so that we're protecting people's, you know, privacy, and we're not, we're only, we're not sending their data. We're just sending the the model updates. And from doing that, and this is Dustin, this is for you. You know, we're doing this over five G, so it's a federated, it's a federation over five G. But in doing this, you know, we learned uh so many things about the threats that are out there and we're like oh my god we just can't do this we got to address some of these threats so we're seeing a lot of this stuff and again as i said it's related to the fact that people are using pre-trained models and frankly there is not this is a an emerging field but there is not a set of standards about how we audit uh, ai and how do we audit models right it's a nascent field um, there's not much in the way, you know, as far as the government um, has put out, as far as how do we manage, you know, the providence and in the governance of AI. So it's really kind of like you talk about being scared. It's like thunder <laughs> going out there. You know?
1: <laughs> well, one thing, I mean, um, you know, not to be, I, I want to say that the, the work that you're doing, you're not just in a garage doing this. You're actually doing a lot of this did a lot of this under a grant from the National Science
3: Foundation. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Uh, you said thank you to your sponsors. I'm going to say thank you to my sponsor, which is the National Science Foundation. So, <laughs> so We got an awesome, awesome uh, grant. It's called the Small Business Innovation Research Grant um, from the National Science Foundation. That enabled us to launch and, and tackle this problem and they uh, they, they understand the, the challenge that we're undertaking here. In fact, I think the National Science Foundation is going to be in a major way involved in developing how do we do governance of AI. So yeah big thanks to the National Science Foundation.
1: okay, great. Now now IKA companies have been collaborating with our series sponsor uh, TNS. On enhancing the security of mobile devices, including the smartphones that have sort of become appendages to us all. So, so, so Josh, can you tell us a bit about the software you have been developing on the TNS blockchain infrastructure? I think it's the EMEID, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. Absolutely, yeah. So we've been uh, we've been essentially really working very closely with TNS. Uh, you could kind of say we're attached at the hip. <laughs> uh, and particularly uh focused on this emeid uh product and project so um, as probably most of the the folks that uh listeners on, on the, you know in this audience will be aware but just in case we'll just kind of take a step back and say you know so every um every uh smartphone device has essentially an emmy a manufacturer equipment identifier Identification number, uh, which is distributed by an organization that we've referenced a little bit earlier, I think, the, the TIA, Tele- Telecommunication Industry Association. And um, it basically has, you know, works like a serial number for the device. And um so what, you know, that's that, so every every telecommunication device has this MEID number. Uh and essentially what uh in partnership with TNS, um, uh, you know, we have uh, come up with is the concept of attaching uh, that MEID number on a blockchain, you know, with a non-fungible token that could represent, you know, that physical asset or even a digital asset. Uh, and then you can add data, you know, to the to these fields, whether it be the the hardware, or software, bill of materials, or other types of data like location data, which our, our platform provides. And, and once you do that, you can have all sorts of interesting, you can do all sorts of interesting things to support with the supply chain security uh, matters for the industry. Uh, First and foremost, it enhances an organization's visibility and tracking for even just where this device has been, where it was manufactured, where the software was manufactured, uh, component provenance, uh, and, and also in just internal change management process that can be layered into that. Then you you add uh, you know the the geolocation extra geolocation component you know with uh, that our platform is is providing um, to the stack, and you have now you can do things well. So if you're you're adding time tag geolocation data, right, and and capabilities for controlling fun- you know different functions with the with the location. So what you so what an organization could do, for example, is disable access to a device uh, or access to certain software or content based on the location of that device and layered in with other rules you know you know certain permissions or whatever but you know you you start to do can really do some really interesting things
1: wow i mean you are really merging that, that physical and, and the virtual so so dustin your, your team actually is taking this security to a higher level with uh, what's known, I guess, as the electronic SIM card. Can you explain to us how the eSIM and the EMEID could actually work together? Sure. I, I think before I get into the depth of that, maybe
0: I'll just expound a little bit uh, from, from Eric's conversation earlier about the sensitivity uh-huh. of the software realm, because the, the concept sure. here was digitization and what does that mean to us? And I think from my perspective, the way I wanted to describe this is digitization to me has been the transformation from a hardware centric world to a software centric world. So myself as a telecoms guy, I look back in time and I say, most of what I did in the past was specialized equipment for singular purpose. It was a radio to do function X connected to something else through another dedicated piece of hardware. That is completely flipped around. So we do Mm software-defined everything today. For software-defined radios, which means I put software on a piece of hardware to create the waveforms that transmit over the air. Software-defined networking, which means I basically put a computer out in the world and I tell it all the different fancy protocols it has to run. Essentially, everything has been transformed into a software problem. And I think it's very important to sort of translate that beyond our original supply chain question, which was, how do I verify hardware? How do I know where my components came from? Which is sort of the fundamental layer of understanding origin. But as we take this forward, it is very important. It's vital for this conversation as we get into eSIMS and the rest of the authentication and trustability to be able to not only say, what was, what was on this at the day it was born, but what has been on it ever since it was born until the day it dies. Basically the entire life cycle of a product has to be known because if I have some weak points somewhere along that trajectory and I'm able to find a way to get in there, I've sort of lost the battle. I no longer can fully believe that I have confidence that I own this device anymore. And so-
1: I guess you're, you're really talking about the provenance of not just your hardware, but the software.
0: Right, exactly. Because again, it is, and I, and I like to go back to this Andreessen Horowitz quote from about 10 years ago, which is, software eats the world. And software has absolutely <laughs> eaten the telecommunications world for breakfast. 5G is mm-hmm. software. It is almost completely a software-based world, taking everything that the cloud did over the past decade and pushing it out to the edges of the network and saying, we're going to call this Telecommunications. And so everything that we do now as a company from my perspective is based around that fundamental concept that we're turning into a software company. And so all of mm-hmm. those principles and practices again kind of going back to not only understanding who built the software, but where did it come from? How do I assert that everything that went into that software is something that's known to me? You think about the solar winds phenomenon, that was basically a you know, side channel from a third party coming in and destroying essentially the, the provenance of the product itself. So let's, let's, I guess, take this back to the conversation at hand today, which is starting points of technology that we can baseline everything we're doing from. So we started with this discussion of the EMEIDs. And again, kind of taking it into common conversation today and this device in my hand right here uh, and the eSIM technology. So today I go buy my phone at Best Buy or whoever it may be. And then Verizon, uh, let's say I'm a Verizon subscriber. I get a, a SIM card, that little funny piece of plastic that I stick in the phone and it says, now they know who I am because I put this piece of plastic in there. And so I have this trust relationship inherent to me and my provider because I gave it this little piece of hardware. Well, that doesn't really scale in the telecommunications world because I can't go putting little chips and everything to sort of set my root of trust. So we've created this concept of eSIM, which is basically an online provisioning of that trust relationship through doing something that I have to physically do. So whether that's uh, scanning a QR code or two-factor, we all have these two-factor authenticators on our phones now, how do I sort of establish myself use that as the baseline to create this connection between two endpoints to start building the trust relationship. And so we've been using this eSIM concept to sort of bootstrap the whole idea to be able to now take that as the starting point, the, the, the nexus or genesis for building out this chain of trust which then, as Josh was mentioning, kind of builds this ledger, right? How do you create a historical record from cradle to grave of everything that's ever happened that I find interesting? So all this metadata that piles on top of the story, I have to have that and I have to be able to assert that it's true. So how do I create the story of I know the information, but you have to believe me or we don't have a trust relationship. So all Mm -hmm. of this kind of comes back to how I facilitate that with the technological components that I have at my disposal today as well as those ones that we can develop with this group of uh, of teams to be able to create an, an ecosystem, if you want to think of, of that, as an ecosystem of trust building so that all of the equipment <laughs> as a solutions company can, can go out into the world and say, through transparency of everything we've done in the past, you should be able to see that what we have is a trustable product. So that's kind of the cornerstone of everything we're building at this point.
1: Wow, that, that, that's amazing. You're taking, the, the the physical aspects of trust um, and basically eliminating them so that you can do everything virtually and still have trust and then putting the record of what has been done with either hardware or software on this um, immutable blockchain so that you have not only the, the state, or the status of that item now, but what it's been forever in the past. Exactly, I mean, I think of it as,
0: um, in an engineering company, we have a process to build a product. And through that process, Mm -hmm. there are things like ECOs or engineering change orders, which means in the process, we have agreed to make this change. And therefore the process, being augmented. Well, that's fine to give me the idea of being able to establish a confidence level that what I will build is is, is um, trustable, but how do I know each and everything that has come out the other end in the numerous permutations of things that may have come down the road with all the software changes, etc.? How do I continue that story from an individual product level? That's where we have to build all this technology in order for us to facilitate the how do I know from beginning to end that everything that has been transacted on this device is something I can believe?
1: Wow, that's that's huge. So, so Eric, I know uh, Ford AI is is taking all these ideas, and they're not concepts. You're actually creating products, and you're going to market and actually delivering to uh, customers. So, so how how are you actually taking these advanced security solutions? In the marketplace, what industry verticals are? What customers can you share with us?
3: Yeah. So uh, before I do that, so Dustin said some pretty cool things, and sure, it's, it's very interesting because as I listen to all the the speakers today, um, it it just reinforces how digital transformation means different things to different to everybody depending on their industry, their vertical, and their perspective. And for me, digital transformation is really you know, business transformation that's enabled by uh, digitalization. Mm. So that digital moniker is a bit of a a misnomer because the essence of digital transformation is changing uh, business process enabled or forced by digital technologies or digitalization technologies. Um, And one example of this is the convergence of what we call information technology and operational technology. OT is typically like a control system. It may be a SCADA or an IO, IO mm-hmm. IOT device. I think of it, I think as smartphones as like the ultimate OT device. I mean, people today are using their smartphones to control their their, their home security. Um, they're using their smartphone for medical uh, d- uh device interface, they're using their for all kinds of things. So
1: yeah, as an aside, I was in a hotel and uh Yeah. Uh, And and out in California. And instead of using a remote control for the television, you had to use your smartphone. You scan the QR code and then your smartphone became the control for the television. Yeah. And in fact, in some hotels now, you can actually use your smartphone
3: uh, to actually open your door. Yeah. Yeah. no, No more keys. So the, the 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 verticals that got me really really excited uh, transportation so called smart cities you know mobility um, related uh, verticals um, federal state local uh, healthcare financial. Um, I know you said the uh, limited to two, but there's, those are the. No,
1: four. tell me more, tell me more. Yeah, those,
3: <laughs> those are the big four for me. And, you know, I'm really uh, interested to see where this goes as far as particularly 5G with where this goes to as far as like uh, self-driving vehicles, intelligent transportation systems, all that applies. But I think the 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 bottom line is with all of these verticals, the the within the O.T., operational technology domain. this creates the need for more better governance due to cybersecurity concerns. So even what Dustin was talking about earlier, you know, um, we're doing things in a new way because of digitalization, right? So now if I have the ability to open my door with my smartphone, what kind of problems does that create, (laughs) right? (laughs) Somebody be able to open my door, you know? So we have to start thinking about these things in a different way. And, you know, customers the customers themselves are gonna need the governance and that providence uh, strategy that leverage digital technology. And that's where I think a lot of this comes in, eSIM and TNS, um, because TNS for us is giving us the ability to do that providence, right? And uh, I think eSIM is gonna be just another, You know, uh, uh, empowering tool that's going to enable you to do that kind of uh, provenance as well and secure this future. So, very excited about that. And and yes, um, Kevin, we are deploying these technologies. Just a quick plug our first product is uh, Gabriel, um, which is uh, protecting users against vishing and smishing uh, scams. Um, And we're focusing on these scams that are targeting vulnerable populations. But we've got a second product that's uh, in the hopper. It's called Blaze. And uh, essentially what Blaze is, is a a handheld Android device that is able to detect uh, COVID, E. coli, MRSA, all kinds of pathogens on your keyboard, doorknob, et cetera. So we envision a world where you'll have this smartphone um, on your belt or your purse, and You'll be able to pull it out, scan a doorknob, see if there's something bad on it before you touch it. Um, a restaurant or cruise liner. So um, that's our second product we're going to be deploying. So all of this is linked to everything we're talking about here today. And in this uh digitalization is is it's a it's a brand new world, and um, mm. you know, and that transformation transformation element is going to require. You know, leadership at the top, the CEOs, um, to embrace it, to champion it, in order for it to succeed, because it's going to be a cultural change as well.
1: Wow! Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Dustin, I mean, I I know you call yourself a telecommunications company, but you have so many uh, components, um, and you're even a manufacturer. I mean, you're not, you know, my grandfather's telco. <laughs> so um how what about your customers who who are your customers you're targeting with this and and what does it mean to them well it's
0: it's an interesting question because if you had asked me that a year ago, I would have had one answer, and now I would say I have potentially another answer so so obviously the 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 drive behind this originally was a public conversation brought about by the US government making the observation that there were folks out there doing things that they claimed to be nefarious, mm-hmm. um, which then became a political argument, and so on and so on. And so, it, you know, the we have customers in many different spaces. Um, one of them, obviously, is in the federal space, US government entities such as Homeland uh, Defense, uh, public and private, excuse me, uh, first responders in, in, in police and fire services. So, a lot of them are based in uh, government funding that would require us to obviously uh, comply with all of the um, priorities coming out of both Congress and the White House related to Mm -hmm. supply chain management. Um, uh, Last year, this year still, we also saw the uh, additional edict about certain numbers of UASs, that is what we call drones, uh, no longer being allowed for uh, government use as well. And so we started to see that this trust issue propagates well beyond what we thought of originally as just a communication sector issue to covering so many different things. And so uh, I think fundamentally we have to think of it as, as not just a 5G thing or not just about communications, but it really is absolutely comprehensive to everything we do going forward, because to be honest, again, everything's sort of related. It's all a software world. Everything's talking to everything. And so we have to think of this holistically as a a comprehensive solution towards all of the things we're doing. So to take it back again to our customers, Mm -hmm. um, the public sector, of course, has a very high priority to deal with these as, uh, you know, the the face of the government. But uh, equivalently, I would say now, again, coming back to this year uh, moving forward, is it has begun to have traction with uh, commercial spaces. So if you look at a lot of enterprise-type customers, especially those in environments like mining and gas and some of the others where we saw what happens when things get hacked, gas pipelines go down, bad things happen. How do we, as a company, help to promote the fact that even the commercial side folks should be very invested in this as a solution long-term? So I think we um, have seen that that is becoming a priority, not only from a government mandate, but really being driven from our commercial side customers who are seeing the liability of not addressing this now and I we as a company having invested our time effort blood sweat and tears to be a leader here believe that to be a strong differentiator for us in the future and I think a compelling thing for us as a nation to be a technology leader in because that is I think a clear value that we as Americans have and I think that the world will appreciate.
1: Wow yeah I really appreciate it I mean but, but Josh your, your company uh, you said it not me is a geospatial engineering company so so how does that fit in with all of this telecommunication security
2: well I mean uh, it kind of goes back to a little bit of what I was just saying earlier right so specifically with so we're basically associating digital files to physical space right and right. so right. what what we really do with this we call it an environment operating system or spatial operating system, but what we're really doing is capturing kind of the spatial flow of the movement of digital assets or physical assets through through these locations and capturing that in um, you know in a ledger. Basically, capturing a you know, capturing a ledger of activity at locations. And so, when you add that data into uh, you know the the you know the like the EMID application we're talking about uh then you're going to be able to do things like verify where this device was uh just have visibility of knowing you know its movement over time uh being able to you know grant permissions or deny permissions based on a location and so that just really just just gives organizations um i guess a lot more control into being able yeah. to kind of auto, not, not just manually make these decisions, but to set up systems that can be automated based on business rules and, and, and such to, to be able to, you know, create, you know, check for flags and vulnerabilities and take actions based on certain conditions and reads it.
1: Sure, that reminds me of a saying uh, I heard long ago everything has many places and times. <laughs> so you're just linking all those places and times. To everything. Well, yeah, and so that, and here's the here's the other thing I th- I think that's really unique
2: to specifically Ripples, right? Um, is so for us because there's there's different types of, of you know companies focused on you know certain supply chain applications, you know, even mm-hmm. leveraging blockchain and such. But it's more of um they're more they're more siloed to a specific focus use case. Um, and going back to what I said at the beginning, where you know Ripples ripples reasons for existence was to essentially create you know how do we connect things how do we make things more efficient connect people more you know people and things more efficiently and securely as well and so for us we were never really looking at a specific business use case or application for industry for us it was more about how do we make the human experience more optimal how do we enhance the flow of life and that and that involves kind of mobility amongst different applications so so we're so we built this system so that it can integrate across any applications to plug into this so that there was just the best well i guess to get just it real simplified with it you know the data in data out the best the best contextual data to produce the most optimal outcomes and efficient outcomes
1: right? wow that's just really interesting sort of the a different view of all these technologies and industries. You're, you're, you're saying that the they they all sort of have to work in the same life space. So uh, this is Yeah, this it's not so much they have to, it's just in order to, you know, in
2: order to produce the best outcome, you, you're, you're gonna have a better just overall experience, human experience, a more efficient, better resource management, the more mm-hmm. that we can have this stuff streamlined. But the only way you can do that is if you have things like where you are able to, to maintain privacy and security and things, you know, these things that Eric was talking about and Dustin were talking about. Uh, otherwise, you know, you, you won't even really have a system to do it. So, or you won't be able to do those types of things. So, this, oh, is, yeah. this is a major step forward in being able to actually, you know, make that a reality.
1: So, security, the underlying security of any system that's operating in today's modern world has to be assured and it's it's great to see that these technologies are coming together. Uh, unfortunately, we're we're running out of time but but before we wind up I'd like each of you to give us sort of a glimpse of your company's future and our future and how the audience members could really reach out to you. Starting with Dustin, what's next for Come Sovereign?
0: Well, that uh, it's secret I can't tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, but if I could tell you, here's what I would say. <laughs> so, so I, you know, we've been investing heavily, as have many. Right, five G is the is the the word of the year. I could almost think of it as. A lot of folks now kind of seeing it as uh, real. It went from planning, talking about, to it is slowly manifesting into the tip of the spear. It is now we look at the major service providers having um, basic services. But five G in the long run is sort. Of, I forget. Remember it was Burger King. It's basically your way, right? So this is um, a network that's built your way. So it's designed around being customized to the individual. Essentially, we use words like slicing, which basically means I'm customizing the connections between these things to suit exactly what you need. In addition, as I mentioned, this edge compute piece, which is being built behind the scenes to facilitate and enhance the applications, because you know, from my view, 5G is an interesting thing that allows us to move things from one place to another, but in reality, it doesn't do anything. It actually needs something else behind it to be the doer. We think about how the cloud has absolutely revolutionized everything we do. Our, my handset over here is filled with apps that do next to nothing except communicate with some cloud server somewhere in a room full of computers. Uh, you know, that has been an absolute shift to how everything works today. Well, 5G is going to rip that up and take all the pieces and spread them out all over the world. And so from my standpoint, we as ComSovereign are really looking at those use cases where you're taking the network and bringing it to the customer, right? So traditionally, I had to wait for my service provider to show up and put a tower near me for my network to really be something I can use. And if this Connection wasn't good enough. Too bad I had to move. Well, now that's not the problem. I actually can take the network and bring it with me. If I'm out in the middle of, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, I can bring a network with me. I can create my own connectivity solution, call them private networks. I can Mm -hmm. either operate them completely on my own. Uh, I can create satellite connectivity through things like Starlink and some of those amazing LEO satellite constellations now being deployed to create this connection fabric all over the world. So this ubiquitous connectivity with the ability to carry my solution with me is an absolute game changer for how 5G is going to transform things. Once you aggregate that and, and bring it together with this edge compute to be able to bring the applications both temporally and spatially wherever I need them to follow what I have to be doing, that is together going to be a, um, I won't say, you know, the killer app. Because to me, the killer app for 5G is that there is no killer app. Everybody gets their own. You know, you get your stuff your way, no matter where you are. And so from my standpoint, that is where we are positioning ourselves into really those key focal areas for where I believe the tech, 5G and MEC technology are going to take us.
1: Wow, that's, that's amazing. And, and, and Eric, where, where where's forward Edge taking uh, artificial intelligence?
0: Yeah,
3: so and more like where's artificial intelligence taking us? <laughs> we're we're not
1: there yet.
3: <laughs> but with regards to the EMEID, I could say this: I think that that is like, and Kevin, you and I talked about it before. This is the final bit that we needed that brings that governance piece to every smartphone in a way that. Really doesn't take away from introducing innovative new features and capabilities. You think about how you know some of the manufacturers like Apple, for example, really lock down the, the phone's capabilities and, mm-hmm. and, and it's hard to innovate um, because of their policies. Well, if we give just like Dustin was saying, if we let people do it their way, sort of like um, you know Burger King model. Um, I think right. we're going to see a lot of um, innovation coming out of the the community. So I'm excited. And um, I think, as I said, this is the final piece that's kind of needed. So I'm looking forward to uh, partnering with you guys and bringing our, our product to market.
1: Great. Thank you. And uh, Josh, what's next for Ripples? I love the name, by the way. <laughs> thank you.
2: Yeah. Flow like water. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know we got a yeah, we got a busy roadmap ahead you know just even with our emeid solution and you know working uh working with you fine gentlemen uh, i'm really excited about that so that's a, that's a big big part of what's next to come you know even even uh it seems you know some of the things that eric has on um on his side of the fence you know we'll be uh pretty busy with some of that you know uh you know for the next several months and that's that's fantastic um and then out you know outside of this kind of whole space of everything we've been talking about today in the world of telecommunication and supply chain security uh we actually have quite a bit going on In a, i guess it feels like we're living a double life but we have a quite quite a bit going on in the world of entertainment as well
0: mm, uh incredible. so we're
2: we're in it's particularly the world of location based entertainment so you think you know places, you know, physical venues that people go to, stadiums, entertainment districts, attractions, things like that, where, uh, you know, uh, high foot traffic for recreational purposes. Uh, You know, we're going to be deploying uh, over several of those types of of venues, um, you know, over the next six to 12 months. And we also have a consumer-based product that's actually a new kind of social media platform entangling the digital and physical world. And that'll be actually launching pretty soon. So you guys will be able to see that coming out here in the next several months.
1: right, Josh, you're going to have to take some of ComSandrum's networks into those places. So so tell me, how can... uh (laughs) <laughs> actually no dustin we got to talk uh, offline i was already something I, we got to talk
2: we got to talk software to find radios so all right good yeah
1: so uh just as we wind up uh josh how could our audience reach out to you or ripples yeah sure so uh well uh, ripples.com uh,
2: is probably the easiest way to go there you can just put a question on our site or if you're out to spell number, it r y p p l zz.com, <laughs> uh, and I trust I trust Kevin will uh, provide the link as well in the the show notes, and then also yep. uh, you can you can find me on either uh, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, uh, just at Josh Pundrick.
1: Great, we will have all this information in the notes. And Eric, how could the audience reach out to you and forward it to
3: Yeah. So if you have a can with a, with a string attached to it, you can uh, (laughs) (laughs) reach me. No. Yeah. So forwardedge AI.com is our, is our website. And you could hit me up on LinkedIn, Eric Adolfi at LinkedIn, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. All
1: right. Great. And ComSovereign, Dustin, how can people reach out to you and ComSovereign?
0: Uh, You can find me right there. I think you can see (laughs) that. Yeah, there we go. Yep, so that's that's how you find me. Uh, so we're you know the website's great. We're out at a lot of trade shows. So finally back in gear with a lot of the, the major trade shows back in person. Uh, we'll be at Mobile World Congress here in about three weeks. Um, so anybody wants to, to hook up then that'd be great. But other than that, um, you can always reach out to me. I'll make sure that uh, Kevin's got my contact.
1: Well, oh, great, yeah, and we'll put all this information in the in the show notes. So, so thank you all for protecting our future. We're out of time, so I would like to invite everyone to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership at supplychainnow.com. You can find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So, on behalf of the entire team here at Supply Chain Now. This is Kevin L. Jackson wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers.
0: Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.